Ashley Brock reading Diana Palmer's book True Blue, Chapter 6. I've read that book. Rick said it was so small. Insurgent Mexico. I couldn't afford to buy it, unfortunately, so I got it on loan from the library. It was published in 1914. A rare book indeed. She shifted uncomfortably. She hadn't meant to let that bit slip. She was still keeping secrets from him. She shouldn't have been able to afford the book on her government salary. Her father had given it to her last Christmas. That was another secret she was keeping, too. Her father's identity. And would you know Tonka Villa's real name? He asked on Instagram. He was born to Rinko Arania. She said the smile faded a little. Changed his name to Tonka Villa according to one source, because he was hunted by the authorities for killing a man who raped his younger sister, put him on a path of lawlessness, but he fought all his life in Mexico that was free of foreign oppression and a government that worked for the poor. <laughs> he smiled with like, you read Mexican history, he was still surprised. Well, yes, the best of it's in Spanish, so I study very hard to learn to read it, but... I like the colonial histories written by priests in the 16th century who sailed with the conquistadors. <laughs> Spanish colonial history, he said. I also like to read about Juan Belmoto and Montenote. <laughs> His eyes were like bullfighters. Well, yes, he said. Not the modern ones. I don't know anything about those. On this book on Juan Belmoto, his biography, I was so fascinated by it that I started reading about Joseleta. Leto and the others who fought bulls in Spain at the beginning of the 20th century, they were so brave, nothing but a cape and courage facing a bull that was twice their size, all muscle and with horns so sharp, she clears up. It's not PC to talk about it, I know. Yes, we must have mentioned blood sports, he joked. The old bullfighters were like soldiers who fought in the world wars. <laughs> Tough and courageous. I like World War II history, particularly the North. African theater of war. <laughs> her eyes open wide behind the lenses of her glasses. From Pal, Patrio, Matagoni, Alexander, his lips open. Yes. She laughed with some impressions. I'm a history major, she said. I took my degree in it. She didn't add that she came by her interest in military history quite naturally. Not that her grandfather had known General Grandfather had known General George S. Pat Junior personally. <laughs> well, you have an associate's degree in criminal justice, and you've gone to night school working on a VA. She blurted out it was my shoe size. Eleven. She cleared her. Sorry, I have a file on you, too. He leaned forward, his large, dark eyes narrow. I'll have to compile one on you, just to be fair. She didn't want him to do that, but she just nodded. Maybe he could dig up too much, even if he tried. She kept her private life very proud she said. I need to get back to work. I just wanted to be honest with you about my job. She said I didn't want you to think I was being deliberately deceitful. He stood up behind him and thought that. He walked her to the door. Um, is the lieutenant still bringing you roses? He asked he could have slapped himself. Or even asking the question. Oh, certainly not. He said for me, that was just an apology for using bad language in front of me. He's a widower. He said as they reached the door. She paused and looked up at him. He was very close. All of a sudden, she felt the heat from his body. As his nostril, her nostrils caught the faint, exotic scent from the cologne he used. 
all very masculine, and her heart went wild at the proximity. Her head barely topped his shoulder. He was tall and powerfully built, and she had an almost overwhelming hunger to lay her head on the shoulder, press close, and bury her lips into the smooth, tan throat. She caught her breath and stepped back quickly. She looked up into his searching eyes and stood very still, like a cat in the sights of a hunter. Couldn't even think of anything to say. Rick was feeling something similar. She smelled wildflowers today. Her skin was almost translucent, and he noticed that she wore little makeup. Her hair was caught up in a high ponytail, but he was certain that if she let it down, it would make a thick platinum curtain all the way to her waist. <laughs> he wanted badly to loosen it and bury his mouth in it. He stepped back, too. The feelings were uncomfortable. Better get back to work, he said courtly. He was breathing heavily. His voice didn't sound natural. Yes, um, me too, she stammered and flushed, making her skin look even prettier. He started open the door for a bit. Someone told me that you liked the firebird. <laughs> she laughed now, nervously. Yes, very much. The orchestra is doing a tribute to Stavesky. Stavesky. Friday night, he moved one shoulder. Shouldn't do this, but he couldn't help himself. I have two tickets. I was going to take Mom. She's going to have a catering, some cattlemen's meeting in Jacobsville, and she can't go. He took a bit. So I was wondering. Yes, he cleared her. I mean, <clears throat> if you were going to ask me, she blurted embarrassed. <laughs> her nervousness lessened his. He smiled at her in a way he never had. His chiseled mouth, sensuous, his eyes very dark and soft. Yes. I was going to ask you. Oh. She laughed self-consciously, tipped her chin up with his bent forefinger and looked into her soft cup. Six o'clock. We'll have dinner first. Her breath caught. Her heartbeat shook her t-shirt. Yes, she whispered breathlessly. His dark eyes were on her pretty bow of mouth. Was slightly parted, showing her white teeth. He actually started bending toward it when his phone suddenly rang. He jerked back, laughing deeply at his own helpless response for going to work. He said, Buddy, yes, sir. She started out the door. She looked back at him. I live in the Oak Street apartment, she said, number 92. He was well back, I'll remember. She left with obvious reluctance. Took him a minute to realize his phone was so ringing. He was going to date a colleague, and the whole department would know. Well, what the hell? He muttered to himself. He was really tired of going to concerts in the ballet alone. She was a fed, and she wouldn't be here long. Why shouldn't he have companionship? Gwen got back to her own office and leaned back against the door with a long sigh. She was trembling from the encounter with Rick and so shocked at his invitation that she could barely get her breath back. He was going to date her. He wanted to take her out. She could barely believe it. While she was savoring the invitation, her cell phone rang. She noted the number and opened open it. Hi, Dad. She was so smiling. How's it going? Rough. Or don't you watch the news, Puddin? He asked with a laugh at his deep voice as he used his nickname for it. I do, she said. I'm really sorry. Politicians should let the military handle military matters. Come up to D.C. and tell the Podos that, he murmured. Why can't you just say President of the United States? She thinks, I'm in the military. We use abbreviations. I noticed. How's it going with you? 
I'm working on a sensitive matter. I've been talking to your boss about it, and I told him that I don't like having you put on the firing line like this. She winced. She could imagine that encounter. Her boss, while very nice, was also bullheaded as her father. It would have been interesting to see how it ended. And he, and he told you, he said, that I could mind my own damn business, basically. He explained, we're a lot alike. <laughs> I noticed. Anyway, I hope you're packing and that the detective you're working with is also. We both are, but the general isn't a bad man. He's wanted for kidnapping. Well, yes, he's desperate for money, but he didn't really hurt anybody. A man who killed, a man was killed in his camp. He returned. To, yes, the general shot him for trying to assault Gracie. Penelope said it too, but he caught him in the act. Gracie was bruised and shaken, but he got to her just in time. The guy was one of the Fruities organization. It was long time. I didn't hear that part. Not many people have. He said, well, maybe he's not as bad as a man as I thought he was. <laughs> we want him on our side. He has a son that he didn't know about. We're trying to get an entree into his camp to make a contact with him. It isn't easy. I know about that, too, he calls. How's your love life? It's easy. Actually, Sergeant Marquis just invited me to a symphony concert. There was one ball. You liked classical music? Yes, and the ballet. Her eyes know. The no smart remarks, if you please. I like classical music. But you hate the ballet, she pointed out. And you think anybody who does is nuts. So I have a few interesting flaws, she conceded. He's also a military history buff. She had a career World War II in North Somalia, Africa. How ironic. He chuckled. She smiled her stuff. Yes, isn't it? He during a long time. You coming home for Christmas? Of course, she crazy smiles him. Especially this year. I'm glad you've been all over there. Hasn't been easy. Larry's wife calls me every no other night crying. Linda will just, she says, just gonna take time. She and Larry were married for 10 years and he didn't have children. That'll make it harder for her. But she's strong. She'll manage. I hope so. There was a scraping sound as if he was getting up out of here. His commanding officer got drunk and wrecked the bar up in Maryland while he was on R&R. &R. He said, Larry's death wasn't his fault, she replied to Any officer who goes into covert situation knows the risk and has to be willing to take them. I told him that. <laughs> Damn it. He cried. He cleared his throat, choked him back the emotions. I called up Bridgebuyer Langston and told him to get the man some help before he becomes a statistic. He promised me he would. General Langston was fond of Larry, too, she said. Right. I remember him at the funeral. Let's talk about something else. Okay, how do you feel about giving chickens the vote? He burst out laughing. Or we could decide where we're going to eat on Christmas Eve, because I'm not spending my days off in the kitchen. Good thing. We'll starve or die of carbon monoxide poisoning. He replies, I can cook. I just don't like to. If you use timers, we'd have food that didn't turn black before we got to eat it. He said, I can cook anything. He added smoothly. I remember, she said. Rick's mom is a great cook. She owns a restaurant. She does. You should marry him. You'd never have to worry about cooking again. He chuckled. It's just a date, Dad. Your first one in how many years? Stop that. I date. You went to the laundromat with a guy who lived in your apartment building. That's not a date. It was fun. We ate potato chips and discussed movies while our clothes got done. She replied, she was pudding. You're hopeless. Thanks. I give up. I have to go. Got a meeting with the Joint Chiefs in ten minutes. More war talk? 
more withdrawal talk. He said, there's a rumor that the Podos is going to offer me Hart's job. You're kidding. That's what they're saying. Will you take it? She asked excited. Watch the news and we'll find out. That would be great. I might be in a position to do something more useful. Do more useful, he said. Oh, we'll see. I guess I'll do it if they ask me. Good for you. Say, do you ever see Grange? Grange? You mean the Pendleton's foreman? She asked his name. Yes, Wilson Grange. He was in my last overseas command. He's my got a real pig of an officer who sent him into harm's way under strength and with a battle plan that some kindergarten kid could have come up with. Grange tied him up, put him in the trunk of his own car, and led the assault himself. He was invited to leave the army with an honorable discharge and be court-martialed. He left, but he came back to testify against his commanding officer, who was dishonorably discharged after a nasty trial. Good enough for him, she said courtly. I do agree. Anyway, Winslow is a friend of mine, and I'd love to see him sometime. We might pass that along. We could also use some someone like him in D.C. if he gets tired of horse poop. <laughs> she wondered if she knew should tell her father what his buddy Grange was rumored to be doing right now, but that was probably a secret and she should keep. If I see him, I'll tell him, she promised. Take care of yourself, okay? You're the only family I've got. His deep voice stick with emotion. Same here, but love you, Tad. Mm-hmm. He wasn't going to say it out loud. He never did, but he loved her, so she didn't make a smart remark. I'll call you in a few days just to check in, okay? I'll call you in a few days just to check in, okay? That's a deal. His hand went over the receiver. Yes, I'm on my way. He told someone. Gotta go. See you, kid. Bye, Dad. He hung up. She put the phone back in her pocket. It seemed to be a day for revelations. She had a beautiful little couture black dress with expensive black slingbacks and a frilly black shawl that she got from in Madrid. She wore those for her date with Rick. And she let her hair down, brushing it so it was shiny, like a pale satin curtain down her back. She left her glasses off for once. She wasn't driving. She didn't need them. No symphony concert didn't really require perfect vision. Rick wore a dinner jacket and a black tie. His own hair was still in its elegant ponytail, but tied with a neat black ribbon. He looked very sharp. He stared at her with disconcerting interest when she opened the door, taking in the nice bit of her dress with its modest rounded neckline and lacy hem that hit just at mid-calf. Her perfect little feet were in strappy high heels, but left just the hint of the space between her toes visible. It was oddly sexy. You look very nice, he said, his eyes taking in her flushed, lovely complexion and her perfect mouth. His dad was pale lipstick. Thanks, so do you, she replied, laughing nervously. He produced the box from behind his back and handed it to her. It was a beautiful Contemporary orchid, much like the one she had back at her father's home, that had housekeeped her faithfully in this community. It's lovely, she explained. He raised one shoulder and smiled self-consciously. They wanted to give me one who wore around the wrist, but I explained that we weren't going to a dance, and I wanted one that pinned. I like this kind bet. She took it out of the box and pinned it to her dress. Smiling at the way he complimented the dark background. Thanks. My pleasure. Shall we go? Yes. She grabbed her evening bag, closed the door, and locked it, and let him help her into his pickup truck. I should have some. I should have something more elegant to drive than this. He muttered as he climbed in the side. But I love trucks. She said, "My dad has one, and he drives around our place when he's home." 
Oh, maybe I'll get a nice car one day. Doesn't matter what you're going as long as it gets you to your destination. She pointed out. I even like how these is our bro out. And where do you, you get to ride in those? Let's see, better uh, I've got your brother was in the military. He said, "Here, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to bring back sad memories for you." Figuring along, he died doing what he felt was important for his country. She was like, he was very patriotic, and spec ops was his life. His eyebrows were. He died in a classified operation. She added, his commanding officer just went on a huge bender. He was responsible. He ordered the insertion. His eyes went, that's the sort of man I wouldn't mind serving under. He's a quiet man with a conscience who cares about his men. She's not. My dad's like that too. I mean, he's a man with a conscience. She said quickly. He didn't notice the slip. Reached out and touched herself. I'm sorry for your loss. He said, I don't have siblings, but I wish I did. She made it as well. Larry was a wonderful brother and a terrific husband. His wife is taking it hard. They don't have any kids. Tough. You know, it's going to be hard to get through Christmas. He said, Larry was a nut about it. <laughs> he come home to Linda every year and he brought all sorts of foreign decorations with him. We got plenty that he sent us. Move closer. The big hand framed her face and lifted it. Her pale green eyes were swimming in tears. He bent helpless and softly kissed away the tears. Life is often painful, he was for better compensation. So, while he spoke, his chiseled lips were moving against her eyelids, her nose, her cheeks. Finally, as she held her breath in wild anticipation, his lips hovered over just hovered just over her perfect little mouth. She could still his breath, taste the minty freshness, see the hard curve of his lips that filled her vision to the extent of anything else. She hung there at his mouth, her eyes half closed skin tingling from the warm strength of his hands from her face waiting 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 he drew in an unsteady breath and went closer logic flying out the window as the wildfire scent of her maiden week when the house was perfect he wanted to feel softness under his lips taste her he was so sure that she was going to be delicious the sudden sound of a horn blowing miraculously on the street behind them shocked him before he blinked if he was under the influence of alcohol, she didn't seem much calmer. She fumbled with a purse. I guess we should go, he said with a force that we want to have enough time to eat before the concert. Yes, she went. Seatbelt, he added one to it. Oh, yes, I usually put it on at once, he added it. She fumbled it in place. He laughed, securing his own. Her slight smile made him feel taller, and voluntarily his fingers linked with hers as he started the truck to pull out into traffic. He wouldn't even let himself think about how he'd gone in head first with a call. He gives all his best instincts. He was too happy. <laughs> they ate at a nice restaurant in San Antonio, one with flamenco theme, and a live guitarist with a Spanish dancer in a beautiful red dress with puppy sleeves and the ruffled, long-trained dress that was familiar to followers of the dance style. The performance, performance was short, but the applause went it for a long time. The duet was impressive. What a treat, she said enthusiastically. They're so good. Yes, they are, even. I love Flamenco. So do I. I bought this old movie around the world in 80 days. And it had a guy named Jose Greco and his familiar dance troupe in it. That's what I fell in love with, Flamenco. He was so talented. I've seen tapes of Jose Greco dancing here, but he truly was phenomenal. 
My mother used to love Latin dances. She said you was my she could do them all. <laughs> she was still alive, just carefully. She has the taste to drink. We lost her when I was in my final year of high school. Dad was overseas and couldn't even come back for the funeral. So Larry and I had to do everything. Dad never got over it. He was just starting to when Larry died. Why couldn't your father come home? He asked Jersey. He was involved in a classified mission, she said. She held up a hand when he started to follow up with another question, smiling the lesson saying, Sorry, but he couldn't even tell me what he was doing. National security stuff. His eyebrows were Your dad's in the military? She hesitated, but it wouldn't hurt to agree. He was, but Rick would be thinking of a regular soldier, and her dad was far from regular. Yes, I see. You don't, but I can't say anymore, she told him. I guess not. Wouldn't want to take off the brass for saving something out of turn, right? <laughs> right, she had to fight a lap. Her father was the brass, one of the highest-ranking officers in the U.S. Army, in fact. The waiter who took their order was back quickly with cups of hot coffee and the appetizer. Buffalo wings and french fries with cheese and chili dip. Rick tasted the wings and laughed as he put it quickly back down. Hot, too, explained. I'm glad I'm wearing black, she thought. If I hadn't worn a white dress, it would be red and white polka dotted. When I finish eating, I wear most of my food. His dark eyebrows are swimming. Me too. So that, I'm glad it's not just me. Try it again with the french fries. These are really good. Here taste. She let him place it in at her lips. She bit off the end inside. Delicious. <laughs> they have wonderful food, including a really special barbecue sauce for the wings. Want to know where they got it? He asked the TVC. From your mother? She guessed. She it seems that FBI senior agent John Blackhawk came here to eat with his brother Kilraven one night. John tasted their barbecue sauce, made a face, got up, walked into the kitchen, and proceeded to have words with the chef. <laughs> You're kidding. I'm not. It didn't come to blows, but... It didn't come to blows, but only because John put on an apron and showed the chef how to make a proper barbecue sauce. When the chef tasted it, so the story goes, he asked which Cordae Blue Academy in Paris Mr. Blackhawk had attended. He got the shock of his life when John named it. He went, see, he actually went to Paris and took courses. His new wife is one lucky woman. She'll never have to go in the kitchen unless she really wants to. <laughs> I heard about them. I heard about them, she replied. That's one interesting family. Most of French fries told me. I'd love to have kids. He said it's only a big family to make up for what I never had. His expression was better. Barbara is the best mother on the planet, but I wish I had brothers and sisters. <laughs> you do at least still have a father living, she pointed out a father who's going to get the shock of his life when he's introduced to his grown up son, he said. No wonder if Ramirez has had any luck getting his sister in law approach the general. As if the answer to the question, his cell phone began vibrating. He checked the number, gave her a stunned glance, then got to sleep. I'll be right back. I have to take this. She nodded. She liked his concentration for the other diners. He took the call outside on the street so that he wouldn't disturb other people with his conversation. He was back in less than five minutes. He said, you Imagine that. He said on all that. Gracie talked to the general. He wants to come to the border Monday morning. For a little chat, as he put it. Her eyebrows are, progress, she said approvingly. He said, yes, progress. He didn't add that he had misgivings and he was nervous as hell. He just finished eating. End of chapter 6.